You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 323rd edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 1,003rd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of January 18th, 2024. I feel like there's an echo from coming from somewhere, Coach, so... All right, let's see how this goes. See if we get our technical issues. I do not hear it now, so that seems like a positive, uh, as best I can tell. So we'll start the show uh, with a banner moment, as we always do. And this week's banner moment, uh, Jared actually wrote this, but I think it kind of fits in a little bit with the theme of the show. Uh, obviously, you come off of a big loss to Purdue. Uh, pretty easy to feel uh, really negative about everything, and certainly there are a lot of things that have uh, maybe not gone as planned for this team and and didn't look good. Uh, in that particular game, but I think we'll try to set the tone for the show by giving some positives here. I think there's uh, ways to balance that out, and I think this is uh, this and, and some other things we'll talk about over the course of the show. Uh, hopefully, are are ways to do that in a in a in a fair way of uh, not not completely acting like everything has gone to crap, and uh, <laughs> there are still some things that are going well for this team, and, and hopefully that can become more of a theme as we go forward and and uh, as we head down the stretch. But uh, you know, as he writes here, not always easy to pick your banner moment given uh, the the margin of defeat. Um, but even through the dark clouds of recent play, there are some rays of sunlight shining through. Uh, and one of them actually was one of the bright spots of the Purdue game. Uh, and and something that you may not realize and, and may win you a few bar bets in Bloomington is that uh, I use recent starting lineup, the one with Gabe Cups uh, in the lineup uh, at point guard, is one of the 10 most efficient five-man lineups in all of college basketball. Let that sink in for a second. Uh, you may have seen Jared tweet the screenshot of the top 10 lineups from uh, EvanMaya.com uh, on Wednesday, and it's actually true. IU starting five is right there, commingled with Purdue starting five and lineups from Duke, UConn, Creighton, and others. Uh, as he dug deeper into the numbers and found that in Indiana's seven Big Ten games, that starting five has played together for 64 total minutes, producing a net rating of, of plus 36.02 meaning it's on a pace that would outscore opponents by 36.02 points per 100 possessions. And even against Purdue in a game that IU lost by 21, that starting five uh, outscored the Boilers 32-27 to 27 in 14 minutes played, including those big stretches at the beginning of each half. And that means in the other 26 minutes, this is not good, uh, any other lineup that included a bench player, Purdue outscored IU by 26. So we can forego the commentary on the bench and stay focused on the positive here. And that's uh, that a lineup consisting of two freshmen, a returning sophomore, a transfer sophomore, and a fourth year senior senior has produced at an elite level. And given that most objective observers would say that cups isn't ready for this many minutes and Baco is probably playing out of position and Galloway might be better suited for a six man role, both the players and the coaching staff deserve praise for squeezing such dominant results out of this five man group. 
with Mike Woodson already moving away from the full line change substitution in recent games, as he often does this time of year, and even admitting that he made a mistake in not putting Mbako back in quicker after getting a second first half foul, it'll be interesting to see if a priority is placed on playing this five-man unit more and if they can keep this level of efficiency up with more minutes. And if Xavier Johnson can ever round back into the form we know that he can, there's potential for this group to be even better. So we're in the midst of a tough stretch of the schedule, the Purdue loss, followed by road trips to Wisconsin and Illinois, then a home battle with an Iowa program that Woody has never beaten. But if Indiana is to do anything positive during that stretch, it will likely be this lineup that leads the way. And so while it's not much, it's at least a foundation to build on as we move forward. And one of the positives that we'll try to hit on uh, amidst some of the negatives that we'll touch on in this week's show. And with that, let me introduce my co-host for this week. Jared is out taking a personal day to mentally prepare for hosting another post-game show after a visit to the Cole Center. Uh, would argue that maybe more than one day is necessary for that, but uh, he's sticking with just one. Uh, but here with me is a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of Delphi Bracketology, which is he and I talked before uh, the show is a, a 28, 28 member strong this season and a man who knows how to celebrate a road win in your rival's gym. Coach, it's Tonsoni time. I will let you play your song before throwing it to you. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. All right, coach, what's on your mind with a couple days to process Tuesday's game? Yeah, you know, we're going to try to uh, focus a little bit on on the positives uh, today, uh, whatever, wherever we can find them. And, and what I'm going to try to do uh, tonight and then tomorrow is try to see how Indiana can play better given the system that they're, they're running. Uh, we, we always talk about, uh, and I think people know where I sit with the movement and all of that kind of stuff, but there are some things, and Jared wrote a really good uh, article about where some – some small pieces of improvement can come up uh, for this team. If you haven't read it uh, in the Substack, I would suggest to go read it. I think that was really well uh, written. And those are some areas where Indiana can get better. Uh, and, and I think the keys for, for me, for Indiana basketball, uh, playing their style, play with pace. When they get out and run, uh, and it starts with their defense, they're able to make uh, get some easy baskets and some easy open threes. I think pace is always going to be something that I'm going to watch for uh, and Indiana can take advantage of. Uh, I think the other key, and I, I apologize if it gets old, is sharing the basketball. If we are going to be a driving team and an isolation team, the goal is to get two defenders on one, then someone's open somewhere whether that's a post-double or that's a baseline drive. And there have been times when Indiana has done that and that ball has popped around. I thought uh, we've seen it in the last couple of games where there have been two or three extra passes around the perimeter, and then a guy has his feet set, ten toes on the line, in rhythm, and has a better chance and uh, of getting a three-point shot to go down. And we've seen that marginal improvement in three-point shooting. Still want to see him take a lot more. So that, that's an area. And then in Jared's article, the, the rebounding effort just has to has to be um, a, a lot better. We'll talk about that uh, as a show. But those are areas where I think given the roster construction and given the schemes and the sub patterns and all the things that we can debate and talk about, I think w those are the things Indiana can do to have a chance tomorrow night at, at Wisconsin. Those are the things they can do to have a chance on the road a week from tomorrow at Illinois. And they're going to have to play their scheme a lot better fundamentally 
to have a chance to win games and, and be above 500 in the Big Ten. So I'm really trying to focus in on on simply those coaching aspects of when you're playing this system, what are they doing well? What do they need to improve on? And I'll save the system stuff for 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 postseason. And then if you got about fifty dollars, bet that that'll go out the window tomorrow night uh, in, in my commentary. Uh, but I'm at least I'm at least uh, trying. The other thing is, you know, us Italians. Uh, I ordered finally ordered a USC sweatshirt. I, I had UCLA on, and, and Ryan was all up in the air. We had Washington, UCLA. So I'm supporting your brother from afar. Uh, fight on. <laughs> all right, and also with us this evening, he's a senior writer for the Big Lead. And now officially the backup shot doctor for assembly call after we learned that 1992 final four lesson, Todd Leary has started his own virtual shot doctor service at myjumpshot.com. Sorry, Ryan. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, Let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan, what's your rant for this evening? Since it won't be about coach's wardrobe, what do you what do you have to rant about tonight? Fight on, coach. Um, uh, you know, I think I didn't get a chance to be on here after the Purdue game and and talk about it. And I think I went back against my better judgment and rewatched it, and uh, it was as painful as you think it would be. Uh, what I saw was pretty stark, and it's two programs in completely different places with completely different philosophies. And I'm not going to comment specifically on Indiana, but I think you can get where I'm going. Uh, Zach Eady is, is seven, four and 300 pounds. Uh, that's not what makes him good. Uh, I think that has, there, there are things, there are things about him that being that tall, that make his life a lot easier. Uh, what he's got is he's got touch and he makes free throws. Um, other than that, his game's pretty average. He has, I know people talk about his footwork. It's, it's pretty average. Uh, a lot of those up and unders and stuff, he actually drags his foot and travels, but a lot of players do that. I'm not, I'm not trying to single out Zach Eady for that. Um, but what he has around him is a team of guys who can all do things. And, and that makes his life so much easier. And if you look at what Purdue does, they take a big guy and develop him, but they also develop everybody around him and make his life easier. They have guys on that roster who can all hurt you in different ways. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer is a knockdown shooter. You knew that coming out of high school, but he's developed into being even better, and they're constantly running him off screens, moving him around. And so when Edie gets the ball, Purdue doesn't stand around and watch him. They're all moving to get open to help him out and to spread the floor and give him more room to work in there. And when he gets doubled, they're ready to beat you. And you look at their roster right now. Uh, Braden Smith, who had a terrible shooting night against the, in, against Indiana, shoots 44% from three. Uh, Lawyer, 44% from three. Trey Kaufman-Wren, in limited attempts, 44% from three. Mason Gillis, 50% from three. Um, you know, they can all do things. They can all knock things down. Mason Gillis comes in, rebounds and defense. That's all he's got to do, and then he knocks down threes when he's wide open. Um, you look at Lance Jones, three of seven from three against Indiana, made him pay. They have a raw, they develop inside and out. And I don't feel like Indiana's doing that. And then they utilize the guys they have developed to their biggest to, in ways to give them an advantage. It's not just stand over there and wait for the ball. It's we're going to move you. We're going to confuse the defense. We're going to make you really difficult to defend. Even if you're our fourth option, 
we are going to make you difficult to defend. That's what Purdue does. And it's what Indiana has not done. And it's not just Mike Woodson. This is the better part of a decade. Indiana has not had the complementary pieces to its stars to win at a high level. You want to know the difference between a top 10 program and one that is just kind of getting by? That's it right there. You can talk philosophies. You can talk strategies. You can talk systems. If you don't develop the entire roster, you are not going to win at a high level. And that's the problem. And Purdue has done the same thing for the last decade. Get a big guy in the middle and develop everybody else around them to make that guy's life easier. And they're winning Big Ten Player of the Year with that big guy while everybody else is dangerous. And it's that simple. Make Recruit players who fit and then make life hell on the defense by making those guys good. And Purdue's doing it. And, and hats off to them for that. I don't like giving credit to Peru. I still think they're going to be out of the tournament early this year. But they are doing what Indiana can't do. And they're doing it real well. And that showed on the court last night. All right. Well, our positivity is off to a roaring start. So, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I think it's, uh, you know, I, it, I, the, the whole purpose of what we're doing tonight is really trying to balance out some of that stuff. So I'm just giving you a hard time. But, uh, no, and I think, I, you know, I could have come in here and yelled, but I'm just kind of giving giving what my thoughts are about that. I'm not going, that's it. Uh, there's no negativity against Indiana in there. It's just, that's the example of what Indiana needs to become. All right, well, here's what we have in store for you this week for the rest of the show. We've got some Hoosier headlines to hit here in the first segment. Then we'll uh, transition and try to balance some of these frustrations. We're not going to ignore the frustrations, but also trying to, to look at some of the things that have gone well and maybe how uh, that can come together over the course of the season. And then uh, we'll hit some questions from the mailbag. Had a, a number of questions either left over entirely from uh, our 1,000 show a week ago or ones that uh, thought might be good to get coaches' input on as well. So we'll hit some of those before we wrap up all that this week on assembly call radio but now let's talk about our presenting sponsor in this edition of assembly call radio just like all shows on the back home network is presented by our friends at home field apparel where you will find the largest collection of vintage iu apparel uh, that you'll find anywhere. And it's not just IU, though their founder and CEO, Connor, did recently tease on our show that a big IU refresh is coming soon, so save accordingly. Uh, but Homefield has something for fans and grads of pretty much every school with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through the Kelly School of Business and what could be better than that? Uh, as you look uh, just this week, they've had a number of things come out. They did a few additional NC State items, some Wake Forest items. They rolled out a Nevada collection that Ryan is very excited to check out so he can support his friend Steve Alford. Uh, a shirt commemorating the uh, uh, the Idaho-Idaho State rivalry game came out today. So lots of good stuff uh, that is new. Plenty of, uh, plenty of stuff that's been out there for a while that you can get and enjoy. Uh, Coach has his USC shirt on, as you mentioned. Uh, wore my uh, Youngstown State uh, nice uh, penguin sweatshirt earlier this week to fit in with the temperatures here. And uh, so lots of good stuff for anybody, no matter who you follow, uh, or even just if you want comfortable shirts with some cool designs. You can go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME23 to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. 
All right, guys. So who's your headlines? Uh, touched a little bit on you know, IU Wisconsin uh, on Friday. You know, Coach, you touched on this. You know, Ryan, what does the path to victory, uh, the path to what would be an upset as a double-digit underdog uh, based on the line that I saw come out today, what, what does that look like uh, in your eyes? If we're able to be on here tomorrow night feeling good about how, how IU played, what, uh, what, what would lead to such an upset? I have a question for you guys before I start that. What percentage chance do you give Indiana tomorrow? Wisconsin at the Kohl Center coming off a loss and Indiana really struggling right now. What what percentage do you give that? Ten. Uh, yeah, I'm I mean, single digits. Max, that was my yeah. I would yeah. be in single digits. I would I would say five. I mean, I think at this point, I, I assume the percent chance of winning at the Kohl Center is like one until proven yeah. otherwise. But so the uh, Indiana hasn't won at the Kohl Center since my senior year of high school. And for those of you who don't know how old I am. That was a while ago. Um, so I think I was in the middle of my senior year of basketball when it happened. Um, it, look, I think I think two things are big. Indiana's going to have to hit shots. We say that all the time, but it's true. On the road, especially, you got to make shots. And two, they got to stay out of foul trouble, that, especially in the first half. And and the auto bench, Mike Woodson keeps saying, well, I shouldn't have auto bench, blah, blah. He's going to keep doing it. I mean, it's just he learned that. That was the way basketball was played when he played college basketball. It's going to continue to happen. Um, he can't do that. You cannot have Khalil Ware and Mackenzie Mbako off the floor in an important game for 10 minutes or seven minutes or whatever, especially when the game is still being established. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I think that those are the two things. They got to hit shots and they got to stay out of foul trouble. I think they can score inside. Some on Wisconsin. I don't think it's going to be a dominant performance. You got, and you got to get your seniors, your, your senior guards have to lead too. They don't have to score a ton of points, but they've got to be the ones who set the example. So those are the three things. Uh, I'm not optimistic. It's a tough place to play. Wisconsin's playing really well. Um, Indiana is cursed in that building. So uh, if we get on here tomorrow night and they've won, I will be incredibly surprised. Yeah, I think you, you look at a couple things. I think from a numbers perspective, strictly you look at the matchup. Uh, Wisconsin's 38th, as I look at it now, in adjusted defensive efficiency. The big thing they do, uh, they're fifth in uh, defensive rebounding percentage, so don't give up a lot of second chances on the glass. IU doesn't emphasize that, uh, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit in, in the next segment. So that that doesn't necessarily frighten me because it's not something IU relies on. The one thing you look at there, they're 209th in two-point defense, 269th in three-point defense. I think, as Ryan said, you got to be able to make shots and put pressure on them. Uh, but they're going to run some different things at uh, Malik Renew and Khalil Ware inside. And, and so got to be able to make crisp passes. Guys have to be ready to shoot. It, on the other end, Wisconsin sixth in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency right now. Uh, pretty much top 100 or better uh, across the board in, in most key measures. Don't turn it over a lot, which is pretty typical of a Wisconsin team. And IU doesn't force turnovers. Uh, you know, really just becomes a case of, you know, IU keeping them off the free throw line. They shoot really well from there, have a decent free throw rate, uh, and and trying to make life difficult on them for making shots. They they shoot it pretty well from two and from three. Other than that, Coach Alex asked me on when I was on podcast on the brink earlier today, just kind of what I'm looking for in these next couple games. I think, you know, the biggest two things for me are guard play. And competitiveness. Uh, I think you you've talked about the the latter of the well, you've talked about both of those things, but um, you know the latter we, we got on here one of the times and it's like you know which guys are really out there competing on a you know on a every possession basis, and how do you ratchet that up a little bit? I think you see that in spurts. You see that at the beginning of games, the beginning of halves. 
And then whether it's fatigue or different combinations of guys playing, but it wanes uh, over the course of the game. And you're not going to be able to win big road games if you can't bring that level of effort and competitiveness on a more consistent basis than what we've seen from this team this season. Yeah, I think I think it shows up in rebounding uh, on the defensive rebounding. So many people standing and watching, and and that that's that's the place there where where that competitiveness to finish defensive possessions um, is is really important. But but I think it, it, it's just simple. It, it's got to be the athletes have to beat Wisconsin's defensive system. That's that's the idea in a Woodson program. Uh, when Indiana has won some big road games, Illinois, Purdue last year, you had one of our NBA talented players just play incredible against the game plan of of the other of, of the other team. Most likely to be Malik Renew, or the way Mbako has been playing. You're going to have to have an incredible effort offensively in scoring, whether it's inside with Renew or inside outside with Renew or Mbako who has shown some aggressiveness offensively off the pick and roll, uh, some driving, and I think he might be poised to really pop. I thought he was almost there against Purdue when he came out and scored seven straight and was just really dialed in at the beginning. But that's what Indiana basketball is. You, you're going to put players in position to beat someone one-on-one and beat the help of Wisconsin, and you're going to have to score some points. And, and then defensively, I think – uh, Indiana matches up okay defensively with Wisconsin because I don't see them being a lot of driving and, and, and heavy heavy ball screen. I haven't watched a lot of them this year, so I don't know if they're doing that with the store guy, a kid. Uh, but Indiana has trouble guarding that ball screen action and, and, and the overhelp. Uh, but they do run uh, you know some of that uh, four-man flex and, and things like that. Uh, so the, the scheme of Wisconsin defensively and offensively, can our individual talented players, uh, you know, win out in, in, in those battles? That's going to be the key. As long as I think Mike Woodson is coaching, he believes in trying to get that one-on-one matchup, draw two, and then make shots off of it. And that's the recipe. It's, it's not – it's halfway decent basketball uh, – but it just has to be executed. But you really are dependent on someone playing really, really well and the other four players making shots uh, around them. As Ryan said, Purdue has developed that. This roster has not been developed where that happens consistently. You, you see at Kansas, Trey Galloway had an outstanding effort, 28 points, and it just came up short. Last year, Hood Shafino at Purdue. At home against Purdue is Trace Jackson Davis, 25 uh, points. Uh you need someone to go off tomorrow uh, night and, and counter everything that Wisconsin does. Uh, and, and probably to win games down the stretch, that's going to be, um, especially against the better teams, that's how Indiana wins wins basketball games. Yeah, the other couple headlines had here, uh, notes on, on one former and one future Hoosier. Uh, the Athletic included Trace and its NBA rookie power rankings top 10. Uh, and then Liam McNeely uh, performed really well in the Hoop Hall Classic, earned MVP honors, uh, and showed a, a versatile game and, and kind of showed that he's more than just a shooter. Uh, a couple quotes that uh, Jared had put in here, Adam Finkelstein of 247. I think he's proven himself to be one of the 10 best players in high school basketball today. And Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN, uh, quote, in a prolific prep Montverde game featuring two of the most talented teams in high school basketball, including three prospects ranked number one in their class. It was Indiana commit Liam McNeely who stole the show and looked like the best player on the floor. So 
uh, exciting things to look ahead to next year and, uh, and, and certainly fun to see Trace still performing well uh, in the NBA. And then we'll end this with some podcast recommendations. Uh, we talked a lot about roster construction on here. Um, new episode of X's and Joe's uh, came out with Bob Motes and Mike Weemoth. Uh, and so they're taking a deep dive this week on roster construction. I've not had a chance to start that, but uh, we'll have it tomorrow during some uh, non-meeting time at work. Look forward to listening to that, especially, like I said, kind of pertinent, uh, I would say. Scott and Galen were on a couple episodes of Crimson Cast hit today. Uh, the first of those talking about the state of the basketball program and another uh, with Ben Portnoy uh, analyzing the the changing sports business landscape. Uh, doing the work postgame show. Coach was on last night. I have that queued up to listen to as well as IU took down Minnesota. And then they have episode 100 of their show on Sunday after the IU women play Purdue. And then uh, as I mentioned before i was on podcast on the brink with alex today um sadly did not we talked a little bit of big 10 bracketology uh there is no bracketology conversation to be had with high so we did not uh do that but certainly talked about a number of uh you know kind of current state of the program and some of the, the things going on so uh if you need something to listen to over the next few days plenty of options for you in the iu basketball space all right well coming up on the assembly call we're going to discuss uh certainly some things that we're frustrated by at this point in the season, but we'll also want to talk about a few positive trends that we're seeing uh, with a team that does have some intriguing young talent. So we'll do that next on the assembly call. Stick with us. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, welcome everybody. I saw a few notes in the chat that seemed like uh, Memphis lost. Their resume is a weird one from a bracketology perspective. So. Very difficult. What, what What's going on with them? Like I haven't. They, made... They've been really good. They've won a lot of games. They're just metrics. I saw aren't... they were top. Yeah, their metrics aren't particularly yeah. good, but they've got a decent looking resume. Um. And then they they lost tonight though. They still have. Where, where did you have lead. them, Andy? Uh, I haven't. I didn't look at yours yet. Boy, that was too. That was too long ago. I don't think I remember. Uh, maybe four. I want to say. Yeah, we 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 discussed three or, three four. or four before the loss tonight. Yeah, I think they were so. they were one of those. I I don't remember which. They were kind of on the border between those for sure. Yeah, Quinterly, that guy who's is he's their leading scorer right now. He's up there. I but think so. They got a they got an old team. Yeah, sure. he he has a really weird track record. He went to Villanova. I remember Indiana was in it for him a bit. Then he went to Villanova, then played at Alabama for three years, and then left to go to Memphis. And Alabama was like he was on that number one Alabama team last year. He wasn't starting, but yeah, yeah, he's their second leading scorer. Yeah, he's been he's been around for a while. Yeah, sure. I like I remember they have a number of guys who fall in that category, but. Oh, David Jones is the other guy. He's their leading scorer. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. He was at St. John's, I think. 
Uh, yeah, he's got, yeah. Penny's got a lot of transfers. He's kind of switched his formula in a lot of ways, in terms of roster. Speaking of roster construction, yeah, it's been weird, man. Yeah. And then he had Mikey Williams leave. Who was briefly to tried UCF, to go to UCF, yeah. but then I think they've said he can't play. He wouldn't be able to play till next. Yeah, August and or something. You guys know that whole crazy story about him? Yeah, I, I think I remember part of it. He like, he like right? fired a gun into a car or something. Yeah, so allegedly, he, right? So he got famous in like ninth grade. Oh was yeah, like, like was like a... getting paid in like ninth grade. Um, and he like bought a couple million dollar house out here. I don't know if he could afford it, but he bought like a million dollar house and was living in it. I went to there's a about a, two miles from me is a is a really big public high school and every year they host a big national basketball tournament and he's from he's from san diego and his team played in it last year against some really good teams and so i was like well i gotta go check this guy out i've been hearing about him for years whatever i watched him play man i mean i have never seen someone so disinterested in a basketball game like (laughs) including people in the stands like he just did not care i think they may have scored like 75 points the other team had like 100 like it was just, and he, he would, he would cross half court on defense, but like not, you know, kind of like look at the guy and like wave a little bit at the ball. And then he would just immediately run down to the three point line and they would just throw him the ball and occasionally just dribble a couple times and just like pull up, shoot it. It was, I was just, I was like offended how little he cared about the game. <laughs> and then he wound up, he wound up having like 17 points at the free throw line. And so the, his final line didn't look bad, but he was, it was terrible. Some of the worst like play I've ever seen out of a talented player. Like it was, I was sitting there like I paid to come watch this and I know he's a high schooler, but what the hell, man. And apparently that was just his entire season. He just, I, cause I mean, after his sophomore year, he knew he was going to college to play. So he just did not care. And then that whole thing happened after the season. He, yeah, he fired a gun into a car uh, and got arrested. He was facing like five felony counts. And I think they gave him like a misdemeanor and he's not going to do any jail time because it was his first offense, but yeah. I just I like that guy. Hell he of, went hell of a first defense, I would say. But, uh, yeah, you know. no. And, and he like, so it's one of those things where he was like the number one player in the nation in ninth grade. And now it's like Memphis stood by him through this whole thing, I think, because they felt like they had to because he'd been committed for so long. And then they're like, yeah, you, you got to go. It's so and, yeah. and the other kid transferring with him is one of his teammates from last year who I actually liked watching play. But my God. It's uh, it's going to be a really interesting to see what happens with that guy from now on. I feel like you really got to do something for Memphis to kind of turn its back on you. But yeah, that's, that's just me. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Anyway, all right. <laughs> Fun side roll? note. Yeah, yeah, good times. All right, here we go. All right. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple-double in 47 years? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. All right, welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And... You know, we wanted to, to kind of use this as uh, certainly don't need to rehash the the Purdue game, but just as a way to step back a little bit and look at one, some of the frustrations uh, with this year's team and but also look at some of the things that that have been positive. So uh, I guess we'll start with the frustration. I thought Jared did a, a good job. And I know coach alluded to this earlier of, of writing something up for the Substack. So I would encourage everybody to 
to check that out. And he titled it three frustrating contradictions weighing down this year's IU basketball team. So I'll kind of go through these, uh, you know, one by one, if you guys have quick thoughts, feel free to, uh, you know, kind of throw it to you to hop in. So, you know, first one, and this is something that came up on the show. Uh, this is something that, uh, Ryan Carraza at inside the hall. This was the film session for, for the Purdue game was that, IU takes more long twos than just about any team in college basketball. I think it was the 98th percentile at the time. And yet, even while acknowledging that is an inefficient shot in college basketball, uh, they also make them at a lower clip than just about anybody. Uh, And as you look at offensive efficiency that really is lagging behind right now and is ranked outside the top 100 at Ken Palm, uh, and you watch some of this, it, it really, in a couple cases, was was staggering to look at the film session that, that Ryan did on inside the hall. I mean, there were five in the first half within, I think about 12 or, you know, 11, 12 minutes of game time. Like there are teams that will not take five of these in a game. Um, and, and so you saw these and, and one of the things that stood out to me and that we've talked about, there was one from Xavier Johnson and one from CJ gun, both could have shot three pointers. The one with X lawyer is closing out but is in the middle of the lane as x is catching the ball and he shot fakes does a pull up on the baseline gun certainly a shorter closeout uh for lawyer but did kind of the same thing and iu just continues to take um to take these shots so that's yeah that's that's one frustration um i know we touched on it a little bit on the show the other night so ryan i'll kind of throw this to, to you first about you know, I don't know how you fix that um, or, or just, you know, kind of general thoughts on some of the shot selection uh, components and, and seeing some of these numbers that back up a little bit what, of what you you feel like you see with the eye test. Yeah, and we've seen Gabe Cups do that a number of times this year, too. I don't know where he ranks on the team in it, but I mean, there have been a couple where he's just wide open from three and refuses to take it. I think it's two things. I think it's one, it's a terrible shot that needs to be excised from Indiana's offense completely. Uh, this isn't there isn't a Jalen Hushavino on this team where he makes it so often you're like that's fine do it do it you know like that was a, a comfortable shot for him that was no different to Jalen than taking a five ten foot shot uh, he was so good at it and so comfortable in it there's nobody like that on this team and so it shouldn't be allowed if you are going to shoot from that distance you need to have your ass planted behind the three point line and and there is something about this team where they are gun shy from three and we saw it last year too with guys like miller cop who were shooting 45 percent would often look to pump fake and move the ball as opposed to pulling the trigger and it's when you're shooting 45 percent, i don't care if it's a tight closeout and there's a chance you might get your shot tipped take the damn shot and, and as a result miller cop again shot 45 percent, only shot four a game average four a game whereas you know the guys shooting 45 percent across the country were shooting six seven times a game on average Think about how many more that is over the course of a year. And so these guys need to pull the trigger on those threes. And there's something infecting the entire team about it. I don't know what it is. But Khalil Ware, when he's out there, take that shot, man. You're shooting over 40%. Take it. Um, but they they don't. And and so I don't know what it is. I can't speak to what it is. Some people have said, you know, you're blaming Mike Woodson. I I, I don't know that it's Mike Woodson preventing him from taking that shot. I don't maybe they just don't drill enough. I don't know maybe these guys just don't have any confidence in their shots. I, I don't know. But if you are going to take a long two, you should be taking a three because it's about four feet, which within four feet and you get an extra point for it. 
I think, first of all, they just need to, to, to explain math to these guys in general. But, uh, you know, Ryan, it's, in, but- it's what you emphasize. It, it has to be. And, and to be fair, they are emphasized and taught to shot fake and step in. Yeah. There's no other reason the whole team is doing it if it's not part this of their the exact everyday- same move. Yeah. It's the exact same move, and that could be positive because they can't shoot the threes, whatever, we're not there. And, again, we're trying to be on a positive on the show tonight. But you get what you emphasize, and you can know X's and O's, and you can be a great recruiter, but to, to, to effectively play the game the right way, you got to emphasize certain things. And I don't think the three-point shot is emphasized. I think it is more of a attack mentality get to the lane, drive, beat your guy. Uh, it has been emphasized more than shoot the three-point shot. Uh, that's just my guess. Yeah, and I would I would assume you're right too, Coach. Um, and, you know, I, I posted a tweet this week that uh, the other night that, you know, Tamar Bates is hitting 50% of his threes at Missouri. Well, he's actually taking threes too, you know. I mean, there was a lot of hesitation. You saw guys last year, but Bates was one of the worst at it. He'd ball fake and take a dribble in. And, and I do feel like the mentality is if someone's closing out to you and you're not open, draw them in with a ball fake and then pull up and shoot. But you should be still shooting behind the three-point line. I mean, it's it, – so – Again, you know, this isn't getting negative. We're discussing a, 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 something that's happening with the team, and and we just don't know why uh, it is that way. And and you know, you don't see other teams doing it, and the teams you do see doing it are not successful. And so Indiana just it, it's something's infected the team that way, and they need to change it. And if they do change it, maybe results get better. Yeah, I think that this is one, and Alex and I talked about this a little bit. I, I just the three point shots that IU does get are kind of a byproduct of what they're doing offensively, but it's not the goal. And I think yeah. you watch other teams and the goal is to get open threes and it's, yes. you know, but anyway, so uh, the second point he made really don't need to talk about this one too much. The, the one thing that IU really does an elite level offensively. If you look at Ken Palm is get to the free throw line. Uh, they're 22nd right now in free throw rate uh, at 40.9, which is really high. However, the contradiction in this case is they shoot it really poorly. They're down to 323rd in the country at 65.7%. I don't know that we need to uh, have another go around at what we think is causing that. So I'm going to skip to the third one, Coach, to get your thoughts on this. Um, yeah, the, other, the other thing that I use from a roster construction standpoint, we have lots of questions about you know some of those things. From an average height standpoint, IU ranks fourth in the country, uh, according to Ken Palm, uh, you know, doing this. So basically, it's a roster that's got, which makes sense, right? heavy front court players, even, you know, a guy like Galloway is relatively tall. Um, so you've got height uh, and length, um, but this team doesn't rebound the ball very well. Uh, as we've, as we've talked about, um, they're 260th in offensive rebound percentage, 239th in defensive rebounding percentage. Uh, and they really don't produce steals at a high rate. They're 242nd there. They do have uh, use that to their advantage from a shot blocking perspective, but you know, coach, what, what do you see from a coaching perspective or just if you think back, you know, different teams that you've watched at, at, at various levels, like for a team that should inherently be good at things like rebounding and whatever, from a sheer size perspective, like what do you attribute the struggles that they're having rebounding to? Yeah, yeah you know, I love the term gang rebounding, and, and I don't know how that plays out in college. 
Um, but you got to send multiple guys to the glass to get the basketball. And, and if you don't get a defensive rebound, the possession continues, and we've seen that countless times uh, in this season. So what I see is Renew is playing a lot on the outside defensively. When he contests a three-point shot, he turns and stays at the three-point line. He does not go in to try to help rebound defensively. Uh, the guards kind of do the same thing. So now you have one defensive rebounder, and that's your 7-2 guy. Um, and, and so then, you know, there's no physicality being, uh, you know, blocking out or doing those things, especially when Renew has to switch out and, and he contests a three. Uh, I think Malik Renew is having a really good year. His one place of improvement is defensive rebounding. I don't think he has he's a max effort guy defensive rebounding. When your four-man is not a rebounder, I think Mbaka is getting better at rebounding, especially on the offensive end. But it is, again, uh, what you emphasize. Uh, Michigan State would put football pads on at one time, and they were known as a great offensive and defensive rebounding team. Brad Underwood uh, talks about they won a game against Michigan State because they gang rebound, and, and the guards were in there rebounding. There has to be improvement uh, you know, and on the defensive end, guys are, I mean, guys are starting to leak out and Indiana's not really a fast break team. Uh, and, and we can watch for that. Uh, but we see two or three guys that step outside the three point line. You know, you at least can send guys to the elbows to get those mid range, uh, the long rebounds or the tipped rebounds or pursue a ball that's tipped. Uh, it, it's just, Again, this is a fundamental thing like the three-point shot, which I don't see has gotten better over 16 games. And then I question, is it emphasized? You can tell people we need to rebound better. You need to block out better. But then find a way to emphasize it and, and, and teach. And, and if not, um, then, you know, then that's the player situation. And then you got to think about who's playing. But when your four-man is out and then not coming back in to pursue, you have to have guard rebounding. And at times, Galloway – has done it. Cups, I think, might be the best guard rebounder at, at, at six I three. Easily. That easily. that he he goes after a lot. But Galloway has a tendency to not go. Renew has a tendency to not go. X has a tendency to not go. Uh that that, that can't be acceptable. Uh so you know, you just can't tell him to go. You gotta kind of make him go or sit him. Yeah, I think uh, the the other thing that I would say from a, a guard and wing perspective, we saw this a ton against Purdue. That IU bites hard on shot fakes. Have uh, done and, that for years, and some of that really is having long closeouts and being a little bit out of control and, and whatever. But some of it is like the number of times that IU's just going flying into the bench or the front row. With that, I mean, at that point, you're in no position to rebound, coach. Even if you're telling guys go get to the elbow, you got such a long way to go to get back yeah. to there to do that from a guard perspective that it gets uh it gets a little tricky so all right uh one, let, let's switch gears a little bit certainly would encourage people to read uh jared's piece but did want to talk some of the positives that was really the purpose of of, <laughs> of what we want to talk about tonight so you know we touched on one at the top with the the lineup of cups galloway mbaco renew and where i think that group starting to get a little bit of chemistry uh at the beginning of games and halves which is good um, you know, one of the other ones I uh, wanted to talk about, Ryan, and get your thoughts. Um, you know, Coach, I think you were on, we were talking about this a little bit. It's just kind of what you've seen developmentally from Mackenzie Mbaco. I think he's double figures in 11 of 13 now. Um, just continues to look more and more comfortable, look better defensively. Felt like against Purdue, shown more competitiveness on the glass. And, and what are what are you kind of seeing from him? And um, 
and maybe if you think ahead to, you know, how much can he continue to progress as the rest of the season goes on? I think it's just confidence. I really do. I think that he's just getting comfortable playing against, you know, players that could intimidate him a couple months ago. And I, I think he's starting to realize, like, I'm as good as these guys. You know, I, I, I oh, yeah, I was a top recruit. Like, I can I can take these guys. And, and I think that he's just – without anybody else stepping up, he's got the freedom to operate. You know, if Jalen Huchifino were next to him and he was demanding the ball and controlling the ball and they're just running pick and roll for him, Mbako maybe doesn't have the ability to do that. But I think now he's he's gained enough confidence. And I think he's at his best when he's driving. And and I, I think as far as confidence level, sometimes he shoots it. And, and I think, you know, he's got the best form of anyone on the team. And sometimes he shoots it and you're – you think it's going in, but but there's a little hesitation to him when he does shoot it. Sometimes when he shoots it confidently, it usually it goes in. I did think it was interesting that at this point of the season, I was looking at, you know, preparing for this. I was looking at the scoring numbers and Galloway is third on the team in scoring. But if you take out that Kansas game, it's probably Mbako, who's at point three points behind him. Um, and we haven't seen that consistently from Galloway. He's up and down depending on the game. I also found it interesting that, you know, at this point, I knew this was the truth, but looking at the numbers at this point, given how good Khalil Ware has been, you would think he'd be leading the team in scoring, but Renew's leading the team by almost two full points per game, uh, which is interesting. Um, but Mbako is, yeah, I just think he's gaining confidence. And I think that uh, the more success he has, the more confidence he's going to gain. And you're right. He's been in double figures and, uh, it was it four out of the last five, something like that. Yeah, I think he's uh, 11, 11 of the last 13 is what I looked at today. And this is when, you know, his first five games, he scored four points or fewer in four of those. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the schedule's gotten harder and he's doing better. Yeah. You know? I mean, he's, he's 46% from three in big 10 games. Yeah. Um, so I, I do, I just think it's confidence. And I think defensively it was always going to get better because it was so bad, but I think just the, what you learn as a freshman is how hard you have to work defensively because a lot of these guys come from places where they're so big and so athletic they can make mistakes defensively and recover from them you make a mistake defensively in the big 10 your guys going right by and going to the hoop or setting somebody else up for a wide open basket so it, it takes a while for that to sink in a guy like gabe cups came in being the coach's son in all of that stuff he knows how hard he has to work defensively because it's been drilled into him from such a young age but a lot of these high level recruits takes time to figure that out it takes time to figure out how hard you have to play because they're used to getting by with their natural ability and everybody's got natural ability in college basketball yeah the, the other thing i've seen from him um i feel like he's he's become more comfortable as a passer now i think most of his passes are like a 96 mile an hour fastball uh in a lot of cases but he does seem like he's seeing some things on the floor and some openings where he's fitting the ball into i'm not sure the guy is always quite ready for how fast the pass is coming i feel like there have been a few of those lately but um you know coach any anything that you noticed in person uh with him in the purdue game one of his better games anything that that stood out to you from being there uh, i'll just second what ryan said I, I think he's playing with a lot of confidence on the offensive end and he's tightened up his defense to maybe below average and if you're below average that can score 18 19 points a game play play the young man and cover for him uh, we, we've talked a lot about that a lot of times. A couple of games ago when I was down, I think it was Ohio State, coaches were really upset with him for defense and sat him for a while. And so I was I was wondering, oh, my gosh, are they gonna, is it going to be a, a, a change in his minutes uh, because he's so bad defensively? Well, the message must have been heard because I think that has allowed him to be out there. Now he's got to play defense without fouling uh, so that he can stay out and be a weapon. That game might have been a little bit different. I, I don't think the outcome changes. 
But if he could have stayed out there and forced Lawyer to guard, I, I think Purdue was going to bring in the heady kid to guard him because that was a mismatch. Uh, so you lose an offensive player. If Mbako can chase him out of the game, you lose one of the key components when he scores 19 points uh, in that game. He was allowed to play longer than he probably should have. So th- those are games within the games. But I, I, I just like his aggressiveness when, when he's looking to drive the basketball. And sometimes it looks like he might be a little bit out of control, but you take that from your best player. And he can shoot free throws uh, real well, so go get fouled. Um, that That's – you know, that's he's starting to play like we expected him to play early, whether that was fair or not on our part, uh, fans. Uh, when you get a five-star, you expect him to be a little more polished, a freshman or not. Um, and uh, I, I think he's starting to do that. That, that. That's a positive thing. But then you got to ride him. So we're running that nice stagger pin for him, but Purdue scouted it and jumped it and cut it off. We never ran it again. And I think that's the only thing that we really run other than some side ball screen now. Uh, for Mbako. When you got a stud like that, we get the ball to renew in all kinds of places. I think you need to add Mbako to the rotation of getting him in multiple places to succeed so that you can score. Yes, yeah, so I think that he's certainly been a positive. And if you continue on, you know, seeing the incremental improvements that you're seeing from him, I think by the end of the year, uh, be really, really impressive freshman season for him. Um, I'm going to kind of combine these other two uh, as we talk about the front court. You know, Khalil Ware coming in, I think was a big question mark. Uh, for a lot of people, both his motor, what he's going to bring, how consistent he can be, uh, all those kinds of things. But he's really become somebody that, that you can count on. Uh, has had some up and down games, but, you know, rebounding wise, even some of the games he didn't score or that I didn't play well, grabbed a ton of rebounds. And um, there are certainly matchups and situations that he is clearly less comfortable in than others. But I think um, you got to feel good about what what the staff has been able to get out of him. Uh, and then Malik Renew, I think you've seen it, certainly there was going to be more opportunity, more playing time, all those things. That was a given uh, heading into the season based on what IU had lost in the front court. But I think you've seen skill development from him. You've seen him be able to step out more confidently, make outside shots uh, in some big spots. I think his passing has uh, has improved and 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 looking at his development, he's really made that sophomore year leap that everybody wanted to see and, and hope to see from him. So you know, Ryan, I think in general, even these first three, you know, we can talk about some of the backups and different things like that, but I think your starting front court are really three of your more positive stories for the season in terms of what they've been able to contribute. I mean, you could argue they are the, I don't want to say only, but those are the positive stories, you know, and, and I don't mean that there's not little stuff that you can celebrate here or there, but those three guys, uh, I don't think Renew was a question mark coming in because I think we all saw the potential last year. But where in Mbaku, you didn't know what you're going to do. Essentially, you know, where is essentially refreshmenting this year. And Mbaku is a freshman. And you never know what you're going to get out of those guys. Um, so seeing the success they've had, you have to feel good about it. On the flip side, you haven't got what you need out of your backcourt. And so that's concerning. But I would say, yeah, that front three, that's a front three that, I don't know if they could challenge for a Big Ten title if the rest of the team fit around them, but they would certainly be near the top of, of that group, especially this year with the conference being so up and down. I would think that's those three guys could be on a team that's in the top four of the Big Ten uh, and, and has the has the upside to make a run. Um, the you know the the downside is 
the stuff we're not talking about tonight. Um, so I don't know, but I'm, I'm, but I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, if you want to talk positive stories, that's your, that's where, that's where it is. Absolutely. It's those yeah. guys. And, and again, they deserve credit for that. And the people who brought, brought them here and are putting them in those situations deserve credit for that. Those guys are doing what they're supposed to do. And, and so you can look at that and certainly feel confident that, that that's a positive and that's gone well. Um, you know, and I, I would say, especially with, you know, I, we talk about where and Ivaco a lot on this show. Renew is kind of while we've given him, you know, game balls and things like that. The amount of growth he's had in one year has gone undiscussed. I feel like, I mean, that's a guy who's basically your leader on the court now. And, you know, it's hard to deny that given some of his performances and given his effort. Um, so, yeah, he's averaging almost 16 points a game. Um, you're right about the rebounding. He needs to rebound more. Uh, but he's a guy who has the confidence that he could score on anybody in the post and has done really well. Yeah, and I think that that trio coaches is there were a lot of questions coming into the season about could those three guys play well together? And I still think there are some bumps in the road as you look at how you figure all that out. But they've each shown, you know, Mbako you expected to, but I think both Ware and Renew have shown enough of an ability to step out and uh, and and shoot from the outside that, uh, you know, nobody's going to sit here and say that spacing is not an issue for this team at times and, and the way they're getting defended. But I do think they've answered some of those questions as well. And the other guys, I'll throw it to you for your, your thoughts on the front court that I would lump into that is Anthony Walker. I think that's another positive story. I think they've gotten more yes. out of him than was probably reasonable to expect, given at least looking at it from a number standpoint of what he was doing at Miami and how much he was playing or how little he was playing and some of those things. I think that's been a, I think that's been another positive story for the front court. I'll, I'll say real quick about Anthony Walker. Also, especially what he was doing at the beginning of the season. Cause the first, the first stretch of games, you were kind of like, why'd they bring yeah, this game in? He was really pressing. It felt really like really overdoing it. And, and you're right. I think considering that, considering what he did at Miami, they're getting a really good return out of him. Yeah. So coach kind of thoughts on, on some of the front court positives that we've seen. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you've seen players, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to just talk all the positives without bringing in, you know. Uh, some, it's some, not forbidden so. to talk about no, the things I, that are I negative. Know, Everybody we're just is thinking of I know. We're just trying – you know, like uh, Khalil Ware, I like the way he um, pick and pops and the buddy ball stuff. I think that's where he's a strength. Uh, I think he struggles with physicality. Uh, and so I would use him in places where he doesn't have – We kind of expected that. Too. Yeah, where he doesn't have to be physical. Like posting him up against Zach Eady doesn't make sense. Um, put the kid in a spot, let him shoot the three ball, pick and pop. I, I, I really like him for that. He is a long athlete. And, Smooth and shot. The credit, the positive is Coach Woodson has got him to play hard. Now are, is he playing effective for the consistent minutes against consistent opponents of different sizes and that. Some of that's where you're put in the position. And I think all of these things, there are positives probably for every single player you can go down and, and talk about. But it all goes back to are, are they – is the utilization uh, has to be looked at as a piece of why they're struggling. Um, but uh, Malik inside, his ability to shoot to three is, is a little surprising to me. I think that's a great improvement. I, I like the way he works in the post. Uh, and he's getting marginally better at kicking the ball out of double teams and, and, and not getting caught up uh, in, in that. And, and, you know, I still – I think the spacing issue, you know, you got – two fours and a five out there with these three guys. They are very good. They are scoring a lot. Uh, I don't know that that's the right formula uh, to win a Big Ten championship, but but 
again, the positive would be they're getting a lot of points from those three three players. So uh, I, I don't have any problem with, with what those young men are doing. I think they're playing hard. Uh, for the most part, they got to execute better on, on, on some things. And, and they're the highlight of the team uh, uh, right now uh, as far as uh, the success for Indiana. Yeah, and so as you think about what what you need to do, I mean, that really points and shines a light firmly on the backcourt and what you what you need from those guys. And I think, um, you, you know, I don't think we need to tell anybody who's listening to this show on a, on a Thursday night what some of the struggles have been there. Uh, and those are ultimately things that are right now holding this team back a, a bit. Um, and so that obviously has to get better down the stretch. But, you know, would say, you know, a couple, if we're looking for positives there, uh, I think looking at how much Gabe cups has had to play. Um, I think he's responded relatively well in that. I mean, if you said he was going to be playing 56% of available minutes at the beginning of the season, you probably wouldn't, th that wasn't the plan, I guess is probably the easiest thing to Fair. say. And so, you know, I think you've seen him really battle defensively. The offense is a work in progress, um, but is part of some of those lineups that are, uh, that have been effective. And, and I think you look at Trey Galloway, um, his is one, as you look at the stat line, there's some things that you can really point to and and be happy about. There's some things that have really dropped off. We can talk three-point shooting, free-throw shooting, those things. The, the one thing I call out as we look for uh, some of the positives, you know, Jared mentioned just his performance in some of the bigger home games with Kansas and, and Purdue. But I think even if you look at it from a statistical standpoint, you know, right now he's sixth in the Big Ten in conference games in assist rate at almost 30%. Uh, I, his assist rate is up almost double what it was uh, a year ago. Uh, and, and certainly some of that is what he's being asked to do while X has been heard and, and some of those things. But um, do think he's been an effective distributor. Uh, he's shooting 57% on twos, which is a, a career high for him um, and ranks you know relatively well uh, across the, across the country and, and turnover rate in big 10 play is, is relatively low. His, you know, turnover rate overall is a bit higher than it was a year ago, but he's also uh, ultimately using, you know, quite a few more possessions. So, you know, for a guy who's had a lot asked of him this year, I think there are still some positives, even though it's really been uh, inconsistent. Um, but I do think if you, if you kind of take a step back and look, there's some things that he's done well. And um, again, has been part of one of those lineups that's helped guys that help the team get off to a good start. So, you know, Ryan, any, any kind of thoughts on, on him, how you, how you kind of balance out the highs and the lows with him and, and maybe how you can get a more consistent version of him over the remainder of the year. I have no idea, man. I really don't. I just, that's it. Get out. If you don't yeah, have idea. No, no I mean, we've, <laughs> but we've seen this for, for a number of years now and, and it's coach seemed ready to jump in. So I'm going to let him go ahead, coach. <laughs> I, Again, we're talking positives here, and I want to so bad talk about positives. I love Indiana basketball. Trey's a sixth man, and we're asking him to be a lead point guard. Yeah. Trey can come in and score 10, 12 points off the bench, gets five assists, get eight rebounds. If he was the first sub off the bench, energy guy, that's the type of player that he is coming from Culver Military, and he has been thrust into major, major minutes, major, major ball handling. And I think you see the ups and downs because that wears on the young man. That and leadership of, of what I think is a tough locker room right now uh, for, for a variety of reasons. I have defended him all the time. I, I love the way he plays, but there is not really a prototypical guard. I, I really like Gabe Cups too, but when you watch college basketball, 
point guards and shooting guards look a whole lot different than Trey Galloway and Gabe Cups and even yeah, Xavier Johnson. They just look look different. They play different. They come off of screens and they and they heel toe toe shoot differently. The two guard and even small forwards uh, in in small guards perimeters whatever you want to say in positionless basketball, those players look different than Indiana players. And so I think you're getting. I was going to say the assist rate, and, and you stole that, Andy. I think that's the best thing. When Trey gets six, seven assists, I think Indiana plays well. I think that's the key to playing well on Coach Woodson's system is move the basketball. And when he does that, then he can maximize what he's being asked to do, even if I think it is a role that is not necessarily his best role. Drive in there and make sure – you know, he had that spinning turnover. He commented he was upset with himself. He had that spin lane in the move turnover. Those are the things that he needs to eliminate – and throw it to a, a guy, and when people go under, if he can hit that three like he did against Purdue when they were going under the ball screen, those are good things from, from Trey Galloway. But I think so much is being um, heaped on him by teammates that, that aren't stepping up and, and by the coaching staff in, in the roster situation. I think it's a little unfair um, for the young man. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I look at him like Will Sheehy. Will Sheehy was great basketball, six-man guy. Right, just come He's in. He's an energy guy. Energy guy, and do that. If he did that for his whole career at IU, he would. Uh, we wouldn't talk about consistency and and all of those things. As a lead guard, he he isn't uh, isn't all that uh, consistent. And when he does play well, Kansas and six assists um, against I think Minnesota or seven against Minnesota, Indiana plays well. But I think that's just uh, not not entirely his game. Um, and I think there's no, similar I, things with Cups, too. You know, Cups isn't ready to score thrust, 10 to 20, 15 points a game. They're both being thrust into roles they are not fit for. And it's not their right. fault. They're just not, built, they're just not built that way. And even if even if Galloway was starting because he's a senior and you give him that, you know, starting nod, he shouldn't be your second highest minutes, you know, guard on a, on a normal night. I think how many minutes is he playing against? He's leading the team in minutes. And he should be, again, a rotational player who comes in and provides energy occasionally when he's feeling it, hits a few threes. But, I mean, we knew coming out of high school he wasn't a three-point shooter. Everyone And people keep pointing out last year, they're like, no, he hit a lot last year. That felt like fool's gold the entire time it was happening. I mean, his motion is better, but it wasn't great. And and for some reason, he hit him last year, and he's not hitting him this year. And But we knew he wasn't a shooter coming out of high school. He wasn't. He was terrible at it coming out of high school. Uh, he was an energy-driving, kind of athletic, high-tempo defensive guy coming out of high school, and that's what he's become. And, and now, he does a good job of it. He really does. He does, but, it, but seeing, much more is needed. Exactly, and what you're seeing out of him this year even is his defense is falling off a bit because he's having to cover for so many other people in that system yes. that it's, it's, it's hurting his individual performance. And offensively, he's expected – you know, to essentially lead the way offensively. And it's, it's not what he's there for. It's not what he was recruited to do. And it's not what he's able to do. And it's not fair to him. And, and it, you know, you mentioned Gabe Cups, coach. It's not fair to Gabe Cups that he's been starting this year. It's not. He can't shoot. I mean, you see him catch the ball in the wing. He does not want to shoot a three. You would have to put a gun to his head to have him pull the trigger on a, on a rotated three right no, now. I think he can and shoot. I, I think, I think he can. Not he doesn't to. want to. Well, maybe yes. I, I don't. It doesn't look like he wants to. Whatever the reason is, he's not looking for it. And I would say 
it's not fair to those guys. Circumstances happen. Guys get injured. Guys get suspended. Guys get whatever. Guys get benched, you know, and they are thrust into positions they don't need. I think it all comes back to we just don't have the guys on this roster for this roster to be what it can be. And, and in some cases it's not their fault. And in some cases it's, you know, guys just not developing into what they needed to be. So it happens. That's what happens in sports, not just college sports, professional sports all the time. Um, so it, that's where we're at with this team. And it's, and you, you're right. There are positives. The, the, the front court is a enormous positive for this team. And I, I wish that front court would be around together for a while. That'd be really fun to watch them continue to develop. I don't know if they will be, but they're really fun to watch. Uh, the rest of the team needs to needs to follow their example and catch up. Yeah, so, I mean, hopefully that underscores a little bit for everybody that uh, while everything feels like uh, it's, it's, you know, burning down around everyone, um, there are some things that have been positive about this season. Whether that means this team can – uh, you know, get to a level of consistency over the remainder of the season. I think anybody that that says they know that's going to happen is is uh, probably lying to themselves. Doesn't mean that it can't happen, but I do think there's at least some reasons uh, that it's possible. It's just this team hasn't displayed the level of consistency that say they're going to turn this around and string together enough wins to to get where we hope this season would would eventually land uh, overall. But you know, wanted to do our best to. Uh, try to accentuate some of the positive things as we head into a tough couple game stretch. While we all know uh, what the weaknesses are, we all know the frustrations and some of that, but there have been some uh, some bright spots, even though a lot of times it doesn't feel like it. That said, uh, coming up on assembly call, we're going to hit our mailbag, answer a few of the questions we had left over from last week. Uh, and so since we didn't have time to get to them this week, we'll uh, fit a few in now. So that's up next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates in Northbrook, Illinois. So here was a play um, at the Purdue game, and, and I really like Anthony Walker. I think it's just he's the one I'm going to talk about, but I think it happens a lot. Mbako is really shooting the ball well, was wide open on the right wing on a little bit of a fast break, it's like a secondary break, and the ball got reversed to Walker, and he shoots a three. And, and that one more pass to Mbako, who's a better three-point shooter, was available. Those are the things, along with those long twos, uh, uh, you know, uh, some of those things, it just makes you scratch your head a little bit because that's a three-point shot that likely is going to go down. 
You know, if I'm suggesting something for Coach Woodson, push the ball, find Mbako. Get get the ball to Mbako early. Get him a three. Get him a shot fake, drive to the rim, get fouled uh, in transition. But find shots for the young man in, in transition. And, and uh, Andy, your, your reckless drives uh, comment from a few weeks back, I, I just love that. Um, but those are the things within this system that Woodson's running that can be cleaned up. And it's frustrating that it hasn't been cleaned up to make that extra pass. Uh, they do it about 20% of the time. If they would just increase that percentage, they would get better shots and more offensive opportunities, in my opinion. But those are the things that are, that are frustrating because there are positives. Mbako's shooting well. Renew can't be stopped at the post. So make sure you're putting them in and you're getting those opportunities at the right time. And Indiana's just not doing it either. Either the players don't see it or or it's just not being emphasized overall. But that one shot, I don't think that shot changes the game Saturday. Um, but, man, when it's tough to get Mbako open threes and he has one, get him the dang ball. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Amen. All right, let's hit some questions. I, I identified a few of these. Ryan, I think I remember which ones you guys talked about. So um, I, I probably won't throw those to you. I know I'll the note one it. Of... Ask Coach everything first. I'll note it in the chat. Okay, can. yeah. I, I know one of them. There's a couple. There's two that I have highlighted. There's one of them that I absolutely know that you did. There's another one I'm I'm not sure of. So we'll, we'll figure it out. Here we go. All right. This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. All right, welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips, and it is now time for our mailbag. Most of these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community on Substack, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com. Uh, so, Coach, there was a couple of these, at least one of them I know for sure that Ryan and Jared touched on, but wanted to get your uh, your thoughts on that one. It was one from Alex that said, what is everyone's favorite high school gym that you've been to in Indiana? And if you want to feel free to use this as a uh, an avenue to talk about the uh, the game that you went to over the weekend with the, um, you know, with kind of the, the blue chips flavor to it, probably a good time to fit that in as well. Yeah, there's so many uh, uh, great gyms, and and Alex, you mentioned some in your question. In the Newcastle Fieldhouse, uh, my favorite uh, atmosphere is the wigwam at Anderson, uh, with the pregame ceremony is pretty good. I've coached in Muncie Fieldhouse in a regional uh, when I was at Lebanon. That was absolutely unbelievable experience. Five thousand people uh, watching your team perform. Uh, Kokomo Memorial. Uh, Jim is another just an old building that is that is really fun. But uh, Case Arena, where Blue Chips was field uh, coached in there, I got the privilege of seeing my son coach Saturday, and they opened the doors at 4:30. The JV game started at 5:30. There were 3,000 people in the gym for the start of the JV game, and he he said, "Dad, I don't know if I'll ever coach uh, in, in an atmosphere like that as a JV coach ever again." It was really uh, a, a neat uh, atmosphere as they remembered the 30th year anniversary of the of the movie uh, Blue Chips. But those are – I haven't been to the Hatchet House um, in, in Washington. And then even some of the smaller gyms are really fun uh, fun atmospheres. Uh, and some still hold on to the, the old-fashioned way and the, the popcorn, the cookies, and all that kind of stuff, you know, the flowing, the, the smells thrown, going through the gym. And, and just uh, those are some, Alex, that uh, 
I really like. Michigan City has a really nice gym up north that I played in as a high school uh, a player. Those uh, Christmas vacation, um, Delray Brooks, who played at Indiana, we'd have a uh, Roger Harden and Rob Harden, the one played at Kentucky. Um, so there was some excellent talent, and we'd get 7,000, 7,500 people for a holiday tournament uh, in some of these big gyms. Uh, as a player, it was fantastic to play. It was just a rush to come out and warm up, and you had 7,500 people there um, playing. And, uh, yeah, just some really good – those are just a, a few of the bigger ones that I've either coached in, played in, or, or been able to go watch games in that are really good basketball arenas in the state of Indiana. All right, next one. I know this is one did not come up last week. This is from Matt. So, Ryan, I'll throw this to you first. So, his, his question is a, a good one, kind of timely with some things that um, were written this week about uh, Xavier Johnson and, and things like that. But the, 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 the gist of this is prior to NIL, I was a staunch defender of players and they were criticized. They're just kids, I would say. Now that they're being paid and some making more than degreed professionals with years of experience, think architects, ner- nurses, engineers, etc. I have a hard time not criticizing them myself, especially when it involves a lack of effort or care. Am I just getting old or does everyone else feel this way? So I guess I kind of frame that even up as I think it's a great question. I think, Ryan, I'll frame that up even as a, a little bit larger question of, you know, kind of how has NIL changed your view, if it has at all, in terms of people's rights, abilities, whatever, to, to criticize players uh, for different things they might be doing? And how have the expectations changed for players maybe as a result of some of the NIL stuff too? I've, I've always said you can criticize players as much as you want. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, getting personal and, and all that stuff is never right. I don't think that's right with professional athletes uh, in general uh, because you don't know these people. So getting like, you know, personal insults and things like that is – you know, just always out of bounds. You want to criticize effort. You want to criticize their play. That's fine. Um, not understanding that young people make mistakes, uh, regardless of whether or not they're getting NIL money. Kids in, you know, 25 and younger are going to make mistakes and they're going to do dumb things, especially on the court. I mean, forget forget off the court getting, you know, arrested or, or you know, drinking or, or whatever. I mean, they're college kids. Those Just because they are basketball players doesn't mean they're not college kids and college age kids. I did dumb stuff at that age. I'm sure the rest of us did too. What Coach, weren't you in the fountain after a championship or something? You're not supposed to be in there. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I so I mean, I, I don't think it's like excusing bad behavior ever. And, and that changes now because of NIL. I just understand that young people are going to do dumb things. And and I watched, go watch a high school basketball game. And just because you're paying that guy six months later, he's not supposed to make mistakes on the court. Like that's you mature and you get older and you get better and all of those things. And um, so, yeah, I think that criticizing effort and criticizing things like that, I think that was always in bounds. Um, you know, I, people can argue whether or not you boo a team or whatever, um, you know, that's, that's, that's for everyone to decide for themselves. But as far as criticizing, I think you can criticize. I think you could always criticize, but just because they're getting paid now, didn't all of a sudden give them 10 more years of maturity and, and smarts. Uh, they're still going to, you know, struggle on the court. They're still going to do dumb things, especially guys who are freshmen, sophomores are going to struggle. Your veterans, I think you should expect more from. And I think the le- the degree of criticism needs to rise by the year uh, that they've been there. And, and so, that's what my feeling is on it. I don't think NIL has changed a whole lot. Um, I do think that if you're getting paid, you need to treat it like a job to some degree. 
but you're still playing sports. It's hard to treat that like a job. Um, but I do think you need to bring a different level of, of effort and professionalism with yourself. I just think expecting an 18 year old to be a professional is, is, uh, you wouldn't expect an, to give an 18 year old a job at a fortune 500 company in the mid level and expect them to show up and know exactly how to behave. Um, so I think it's the same with basketball and I think it's the same with sports. So I would say buyer beware with the money you're giving out to people that age. That's on you. It's not on them. Coach, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think Ryan said said it well. I, I would add, though, that when you do get paid and get responsibilities, it does up the, you know, the ante a little bit. 100%. Uh, 100%. You know, it, it does take away the argument that they're just student athletes uh, and their kids, but they are the age level of kids. And, and the, the point that Ryan really made that I will second – be critical of their play. Uh, if someone makes eight turnovers, I think it's fair to say uh, so-and-so can't make eight turnovers. They're not taking care of the basketball. That is a fact. I think coaches will talk about that in the film room. The personal attacks and with the availability of social media where we can at someone or comment on someone, uh, we need to remember that th these kids are human beings and they are young and even professional athletes. I can't stand it when fantasy football owners get mad at a guy who took a knee at the one and then will send out a tweet or an Instagram or, or those things. And I'm not just being an old guy, get off my lawn, but, uh, I understand this Sometimes too. Uh, yeah. But in this situation, it's just not right. You could say, stop turning the basketball over, I guess, but I just don't really like the interaction. Um, let the athletes be the athletes. You have the right to sit in your basement, sit in a tavern, do whatever you want and talk to your best friend and, and criticize play and, and maybe even come on a podcast and, and criticize that. That I think that's fair because if you're going to be making money off of this, then the expectation is that you perform at a certain level. I don't have a problem with calling that out. But the personal tax and you suck and I don't want this person around and they're horrible and uh, this, uh, I, I don't think money has any different um, – uh, to, to play in, in that at all. And then remember too, and you got to understand as a fan and even as a podcaster, you got to know what you don't know. Uh, and, and too many times there are so many experts out there that think they know I became instantaneously smarter. Once I quit coaching, uh, you know, everyone thought I was smart. Uh, I was dumb as a, as a box when I was coaching on the sidelines and everyone had an opinion on that. Now, Everyone thinks I know what I'm talking about or, or all of a sudden I, I feel smarter. We, you got to know what you don't know as a fan. And so take a pause sometimes if you are going to, you know, outwardly criticize people personally um, that, that we don't know. And I, I know I oversay it way too much on the show that I'm not there in practice. And that, that's my way of just saying here are my opinions from afar, uh, but there's a lot more information to gather before you make some, some real tough uh, critical uh, comments even about X's and O's. Yep. All right, next one from Jen. During his recent interview with Crimson Cast, Xander Diamant mentioned that the team mimics the behavior slash attitude of their coaches. What does that say about the basketball team? <laughs> Ryan, I'll let you I'll let you take that one first. Uh yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I do think that um under Woodson players are treated like professionals in that they're expected to act and behave a certain way and expected to do certain things and kind of police themselves. And I'm not sure that's the best. Uh, I'm not sure that's the best situation for a college team. Uh, I think they need more influence from the coaching staff uh, in their everyday life, even um, because these guys, you know, NBA players don't do stupid stuff because they have $10 million on the line. If they do, 
you know, and they're ne- they're always thinking about their next contract or not getting traded to Memphis or what, you know, like, like there's, there's things that can change and dramatically about their lives. College basketball players don't know that world yet. And I think that they need to, I mean, some kids don't even think they're ever going to transfer or anything like that. They do, but they don't enter college thinking that. So I think that, uh, I, I do think these kids need more closer guidance uh, than, than I understand that they're getting. Coach, what about you? I know you kind of alluded to this a number of times when you kind of said you get what you emphasize from a practice standpoint, yeah, but anything I think you want to expand upon there? No, just two pieces. I think you get what you emphasize. And there's a lot of good basketball minds that have trouble emphasizing or are really good at emphasizing. And those are the things that we don't know that go on in practice. Um, you know, I, I have been around coaches, my kids' coaches, where they're good people. You like them. They actually know what offense and defense they want to run, but the teams they ran never executed them well because they just couldn't get the message across for whatever reason. And then there were others that, you know, you didn't think they knew a whole lot, but their kids just played so dang hard. So I think it's a reflection of that. And then really what you see on the sidelines, uh, I don't know. Um, John Wooden was very calm, and those guys won. And, and then you got, you know, Bobby Knight was a, a screamer and yeller, and those guys won. So I don't know that you actually reflect. Look at Dan Hurley. Like, it's, yeah, you know, like... I, I mean, there's there's differences. Uh, I think it, it's, a, it's just a makeup of your team. But I do think sometimes you do take uh, – uh, energy. I think the teams that are bad have to take the energy from their coach. And then if your coach is quiet, you don't have energy, then it's not good. But good teams take care of that stuff in the locker room or on the court themselves and don't need, you know, I, I think I know I've mentioned this on the show. Do you want to coach? Uh, do you want to cheerlead? Do you want to officiate? I always ask my uh, staff that. You want to coach? Then coach. Don't complain to the officials. You know, don't be the cheerleader jumping up and down and being crazy on the bench. Have some demeanor. Um, so there's some of that that plays into that too, but I do think it comes down to what do you emphasize on a, on a basis? That's more of a reflection than any personality or sideline antics uh, of a coach. Yep. I agree. Uh, all right. Uh, this one from Kyle Malik has a burger named after him. I want to know if you guys got a burger named after you, what would be on the burger coach? I'll throw this one to you first. Oh, barbecue sauce, bacon, uh, a little Swiss cheese, maybe a jalapeno. I, I, yeah, that, I don't know what you'd call it, the bald burger or something like that. You know, just medium, rare, blood dripping out of it, some onion rings, four patties. <laughs> if I let you keep going long enough, this is going to this is gonna really that's, turn that, into something. That's my burger. <laughs> Ryan, what about you? Uh, similar to coaches, I want barbecue sauce on. I want uh, two patties, barbecue sauce, bacon, and a big onion ring. I don't need cheese. Yeah. I don't need anything else. That's what I want. I want that flavor of that. But you know, I've lost a lot of weight. I haven't been able to eat one of those in a long time. I should probably go do that. You know, at some point, work out extra hard a week and and do that. But um, no, that would be mine. I want I want a barbecue burger with like onion rings. Maybe throw some like pulled pork on there too, or something. Oh, just yeah. get everything, man. Just yeah. Everything. Andy, what's yours? Smorgasbord. Uh, I'm. This is going to be really exciting for everybody. But I'm. I'm usually one that's more apt to have like a turkey burger as opposed to a hamburger like seasoned. Sigh. Well, I know. I, know. I told you. To be that's a responsible adult. What do you want from me? Uh, turkey so do that, burger. Get some uh, sautéed mushrooms and some uh, you know Swiss cheese or provolone or something. You can you know. But whatever. I told you you'd be disappointed. I, Fine. You know, 
We'll allow that ever, it. I mean, I mean, if you look at me, you Ask wouldn't think, I, you wouldn't think I was making healthy choices, but you know, whatever. What are you gonna do? Uh, all right. So last question. That's it. And We're this done. Is... No more questions. <laughs> <laughs> now Sorry, we can do I, one more. I jumped the ship on that. Jumped you, the shark. No, you're good. I thought you just felt like my answer to that was so terrible that you're like, screw this. I'm not answering any more questions. So uh, yeah, you know, coaches, I did. Th- I'm sorry I disappointed you. What are you Turkey burger um, my ass. <laughs> All right, so this one I think I think Ryan answered this last week. So I'll throw this to you first coach, but uh it's from Bay Area Hoosier. What surprised you both positively and negatively over the years from doing the show? And what's one thing that happened that you could never have foreseen? Um one I I have some real close friends that I see once a year um at the meetup. Um it's just, you know, I, I think that's that's been been awesome. I think the opportunities uh, now, the last year or two, to be able to go down as, as media to represent these these guys um, for for a fan who was down there for the '87 championship to go, you know, in the media room and and be able to walk on the court. Though, though there's some things that are just um, incredibly what what surprises me the most is is probably the number of people that watch our shows in the summer uh you get a thousand people post game we have 162 people uh in tonight uh, in a season that is struggling a little bit And, and just the the incredible uh kinship that we all have as a as a community from the chat mobs and meeting people at 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 games i am very fortunate to be in indiana where I go to a lot of the events and people come up and, and say hello, um, it is it is that's the most surprising thing. Uh, the most negative thing just happened: turkey burger. Uh, I just can't I just can't <laughs> deal with that. Uh, <laughs> no, the 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 negative thing I, is losing. I'm getting. I, I will say I'm getting a lot of the uh, a lot of people. One person in the chat this has changed my opinion of you. <laughs> Megan just wrote my name with a period after it, and just I mean, just someone said disgust. they thought that I was the Californian. I was hey, the look, Californian. Man. I'm not. That if I was eating a burger, my side would be broccoli, which is not true at all. Um, Guys, I, and, I may uh, be Californian, but I'm not an avocado toast yeah. guy. I want, I want. Yeah. I'm a Midwestern eater. At least, at least Alex appreciated us re- revisiting his high school gym question, and and pointed me to the Irish Irish Lion having a good turkey burger. He. I have respect from one person out of literally everyone else on here, so I'll take it. But anyway, coach, I'll let you. Yeah. I'll let you finish with the negatives. The, the, beside my, uh, besides me, the negative is Indiana basketball is better than what it's been for twenty years, and we're doing a great show and have a great community here, and and we don't have a consistent winner. Uh, th- that's been the most shocking thing uh, since I started listening in two thousand fifteen, I believe. That it, we're nine years into the show with me on it, and you guys are on a, a, a few years lo- longer than that. And we haven't righted this ship. Uh, th- that's probably the most most negative. And it's just been awesome to meet um, meet so many people. And, and in the good fortune, I've been able to have um, both my boys on a couple times of the show. That that has been. I never would have thought that uh, people would tune in to watch uh, my son and my sons and I talk about managing and basketball and that and, and the reaction that I got. So it's just been an awesome experience. That yeah, I didn't get to share that on the thousandth episode, but. Uh, uh, boatload of more positives uh turkey burger and losing negative <laughs> rough I, I feel like i've really disappointed you i'm, I'm so sorry no I'm no no when, when, no when i'm not saying your, that your I, w- I won't eat 
like a yeah. regular burger. I'm just we'll saying get... that typically when I have it, that's what I get. But I, I do make regular burgers, so everybody just settle down. Anyway, um, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to, to answer this one uh, either last week because I had I had dropped off at that point. I think a lot of the positives would, would surround what you guys had said. It's just kind of um, – you know, how, how close we've become through doing the show and, and the people that it's allowed us to meet and, and the community that's built up around it, I think is, you know, far exceeds anything that I would have ever imagined, uh, as, as we first got started. And so, um, I think that's, you know, number one by a mile, uh, on the top of the list, you know, negatively, um, you know, I think we, we've had some, uh, this coach, what you said, alludes to this a little bit i mean there's been some tough seasons just where you feel like you're getting on here and everybody wants to pile on in the chat and everybody wants this guy to leave and be fired and you feel like you've said the same thing for um you know for you know six straight games and you're trying to kind of figure out ways to to look at it and, and even some of what we did tonight right like still trying to find ways to be positive about it because realistically we're still fans you're going to be there you got to yeah, fool yourself sometimes into thinking um, that, 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 that maybe something is going to be there. And so, um, I, you know, so I think those are the things that get difficult about it, uh, and some of those things, but, um, yeah, the positive by far is that, and, and the, I guess, you know, one of the things I think you guys touched on some of this, um, I think Ryan, you mentioned it last week, you know, something that happened that you might not have, you know, have, have expected was, you know, I think it was you that mentioned people kind of coming up to us one of the first times we had a meetup and saying they listened to the show and and whatever else and it might have been the same trip we did that tour of assembly hall and the practice facility with with jeremy gray and uh and and he kind of you know took us and we were in the media room and like a couple of the people said hi to us and i remember my wife saying like those people actually knew who you were <laughs> and i was like I yeah i know is, i was like that is fairly surprising uh and and not out of anger did they you know not know or whatever and so i think you know, in some of the ways it's been nice to be, um, embraced by some of those folks, you know, with, with Alex from inside the hall and, uh, you know, Zach has been supportive and, and, and different folks in that capacity. Um, probably lots more people that I'm, uh, that I'm leaving out, but, um, you know, so that's been, that's been kind of cool to be a part of that, that community, you know, for as much as I feel like we've built one, being able to be, uh, you know, a part of that and a, a respected part of that, I think, um, for, for most people, at least I know not all, but, uh, it, it, you know, and so I think that's been, uh, been really cool. And, um, and so it's, it's been a, a great experience. And so glad to bring it back to that. Uh, just to, to wrap up, Greg, I actually do not drink enough water. Uh, many people would say, so I'm not a big fan of water. I don't think anyone could, uh, you know, could, could categorize me that way. So <laughs> that's it. We're anyway. done. No more questions. We are. I got to get out of here before I say something else that I'll be made fun of about. So, all right. Uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, you can join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music. And thanks to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. Until then, uh, keep, your el- oh, man. keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. And we will talk to you tomorrow night after the Wisconsin game. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Catch me if you can, Coach T. I can't, though. That's the thing that sucks. I can't. (laughs)
Hey, I want to ask – Dale asked if I was a calm coach. Dale, no. In my first um, – uh, no, I wasn't, and I wish I was. Uh, I had the opportunity as an assistant to be the head coach um, the last few years at Western, and I really liked uh, from his lead that I was a lot more calm. So I filled in a couple times uh, when, when he, ha- he was having a baby, his wife was having a baby and so forth. Um, and I was a lot more calm. I think you're a better coach when you are calm uh, on the sidelines. But, no, Dale, I was not uh, a calm coach, and I, I, that, that's a negative. Uh, that was a negative in my head coaching career. I didn't think that surprises anybody. But, you know, <laughs> you, you just have a big win. You go out for a nice burger afterwards and a beer afterwards. <laughs> Andy, I, I'm sorry, man. I, I, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I feel like Fight I could, I, I feel like I Trojans could miss forever. every. I feel like I could but butcher everything from a bracketology perspective, and you'll never, and, and you would be. That's over. You man. would be less disappointed about that than than you would be about this. So, <laughs> no, you're what are you gonna right. do? You're Thanks. all right. I appreciate. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. All well, right, good night, I everybody. Think, yeah, well, we'll some, see you tomorrow. Yeah, some combination of us will be back tomorrow. I think uh, Ryan, you're on. Jerry's yeah, on. Am. Coach, are you you are yep. on or not on? Oh, fourth okay. in a row. For some reason I thought why. you were. Some reason I thought you were not on. But no, fourth in a row. But looking forward right. to it. Let's get a win. Go Hoosiers. Let's do it. That would be good. Guys. All right. Appreciate it, everybody. Thank you. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.